So welcome. I was going to make this firstly a Christmas session and then I thought I would tie it into our Above and, Above and Beyond series, our micro series. And then I thought, I'm talking about deep water, kind of sort of in antithesis, or it could be paradoxical, I suppose, with the idea of above and beyond. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I think I'll just start another mini-series. I'll have to, get, I'll have to talk to Luke and Ben and Rick about this. But, uh, and I'm going to call it deep water. And the reason I wanted to call it deep water, and this will tie into Christmas, is because I feel very strongly that the Lord is calling us to go into deep water. I feel very strongly that 2019, and I'll talk more about this next week, 2019 is the deepest year of the decade. It's nine years deep. It doesn't get any deeper than this. And so I want this to be a deep water year for Willowburn. I want this to be a deep water year for all of us. So you might think, where did this come from? And as you know, as a church, I often pray and, and I think to myself, what are the prophetic motifs, the prophetic themes that God might put on our hearts for a particular year? And we have in the past, you'll recall, had the going deeper idea. Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to trust more deeply, hope more deeply, love more deeply? But this one I just want to call deep water. And the reason I call it deep water is actually comes from me and Becky on our holidays. We got into the snorkeling. We went and bought a cheap set of goggles and, well, I think the experts call it a face mask and a snorkel. And we went swimming a lot. And it's interesting because at first I was like, let's just stay in the shallows. And when I say shallows, I was like, <laughs> you know, thigh deep kind of thing because I knew Kara was a bit worried as well. And thankfully at Marimbula at the lake there, you can swim in the shallows really easily. And even if you've ever done snorkeling before, it's fascinating. As soon as you put that face mask on, and you look into the water, suddenly there's a whole new world. Even when it's only half a metre or a metre deep and you're just sort of floating, you can see all the ocean grass, you can see little schools of fish, you can see shells that you just never would have seen before. And then we thought, oh, well, let's go into the deep water. And there's a part of the Marimbula Channel which goes from shallow into deep, deep, like it drops right off. It goes down, I don't know, 10, 20 metres. And, of course, as you're looking down, the water's very clear, but it gets all murky and dark, and mysterious. And to go out there, well, in the shallows, you can just stand up at any time and walk to the edge and get out. But in the deep water, there's sharks, maybe. There's unknown things. You are completely reliant on your ability to swim. You are, out, you are literally out of your depth. Literally out of your depth. And at that point there, you have to rely on your snorkel more. You have to rely on your face mask. You have to rely on the little techniques that you use. You are in deep water. And I really felt strongly that 2019 should be a year where we get out of the shallows. Or maybe we're pushed out of the shallows. And so maybe it's a year that we need to be ready for. In a sense of maybe we'll find ourselves in deep water whether we like it or not. But I'd really like to encourage you to think as we go through this sermon and the next one next week, which will set us up hopefully well and, and, set us, and, and prepare us for 2019. I want, I want you to think, what does it mean for me personally to go into deep water with God? That means get out of the shallows. That means out of my depth. Out of my normal depth. Where I, we are literally out of our depth. Because I've got a sneaking suspicion that I think we're designed to be out of our depths. I, I, I don't think, like, this is just a working theory, but I don't think we're designed for the shallows. 
I really don't. I mean, look at, look at how we are as a humanity. Like, God made us to be this way. Why are we trying to go to Mars? Why have we already gone to the moon? Why are we plumbing the deepest depths of the marina's trench, going to places where humans can't even exist? There's something in us that wants to go deeper. And I think, you know, Becky would attest to this, when we did do the snorkeling and when we did go into the deep water, and even when Kerry and, and the other girls did a bit, you come out and you go, wow, that was awesome. I've still got both legs, both arms, no shark got me. You know? There's something about that, and I think spiritually there's a deep spiritual truth there, which is in our relationship with our Lord Jesus, in our relationship with Emmanuel, what does it mean for me to constantly be going into the deep water? Because I've got a sneaking suspicion when we go into the deep water, we're going to pray a lot more fervently. We're going to pray a lot more deeply and earnestly, aren't we? And here's the thing, we're actually all headed for the depths. We're all headed for deep water. You know, I was just reminded this week of an old injury. It just came back to get me. I've always had this knee injury thing and it actually came back quite badly when I was going to Duntroon and I didn't think I was going to get through Duntroon. And it comes back periodically where, I think it's cartilage, but my knee basically starts to lock up and then it gets inflamed and then it's swollen and I can barely walk. And this time, for some reason, I was a bit emotional about it. It wasn't just the pain. And I kept trying to think, there shouldn't be man tears over this kind of thing. Come on, harden up. But, I then, but, but as I was preparing for this sermon, I suddenly realized what it was. And I think I've shared this with you before, but when I was at Duntroon and my knee started to do what it was doing, now I could barely walk. We were doing all the things that you do at boot camp in the military, which is highly physical. It's physically demanding. Big, heavy packs, lots of running, lots of... And I was like, literally, I don't know what's going to happen to my knee. It feels like it's going to collapse at any minute. And in that manner, in that moment, I had to go, oh God, I'm out of my depths here. All I can do is keep going. I'm just going to keep going until that knee gives way. And it never gave way. Not because of me, not because I had better genes or whatever, um, but because Emmanuel. And so... This idea of, O Emmanuel, O come, O come, Emmanuel, Vene, Vene, Emmanuel in the Latin is, oh, that's a powerful idea, right? But do you know what I think? What, I was going to set the whole sermon up. I'm just going to do it briefly like this. What do you think is the most important word in O come, O come, Emmanuel? And all the other ones we're going to go through shortly, these are called, so these are called the O antiphons. So the O antiphons, and this will tie into this idea of deep water, will help us go deeper into the deep water of Christmas. You know, we there's seven O antiphons. I'll talk about them in a minute. But you think about Christmas, and often it's like, hey, let's go to see Christmas carols. Why? Because we want to take the kids. And you kind of get this idea that's childish. It's, it's this feel-good kind of thing, right? But you think about, just think about that baby Jesus in the manger, now, broaden your vision from your knowledge of the Bible to who's there or who, who sort of orbits around Jesus in a sense, who, who comes to him at different times. Who are these people? We've got people of extreme old age. So when in their minds they're going, O come, O come, Emmanuel, Vene, Vene, Emmanuel. Why? Because I'm about to die. My body's about to give up. Then you've got, who else have we got? Help me out. Who, who else comes to the manger? Shepherds. Wise men as well, though they probably come later. But the shepherds, 
So shepherds, probably poor, probably very cold because it's cold there that time of year, in need. So they come, Verne, Verne, Emmanuel, they come to see Emmanuel. They've been told by angels, angel armies. Then, yeah, you've got foreigners from far away, intellectuals, academics of the age who come. And they're like, all our learning has brought us to this little baby. Now think about this, because in Greek mythology and so forth, you often have the gods visiting earth. Do you know of any that comes as a baby? Helpless? Pooing their nappy? Weeing their nappy? Just like a man would? Just like a human would? I know that might make you uncomfortable, but think. Crying, in contrast to the hymn. No Greek god ever came as a baby. They always come, like Zeus shows up, he shacks up with some girl, out pops Hercules. You know, like it's always this powerful man, or maybe a, he might be hiding as a weak man, but never as a helpless baby. And yet you have intellectuals, you have old people, you have shepherds, you would have had sick people as well later on. They are around that little baby going, this is, this is God. You know, and at Jesus' birth, there was the horror of the Roman Empire. At Jesus' birth, there was terrible conflicts and you know, mean politics going on. You remember the story, like Jesus is born. What does Herod do? Mass slaughter of infants and babies. Jesus is born right into the midst of that as a helpless baby. God with us, Emmanuel, in a feeding trough. Unbelievable. Crazy, really. But that's why we're all here, hey, 2,000 years later. Because some part of it is resonating deep in our souls and we're going, this is crazy, but it's so good. This is unbelievable, but we believe it. We depend on it. Jesus comes into earthy, gritty, sweaty humanity in our horror, in our struggles. And so this whole O Antiphon's idea, this whole Vene, Vene, Emmanuel, O come, O come, Emmanuel, it all ties into this idea of great human need. And when I say, what do I think is the most important word? I think the most important word for us, it doesn't deny any of the truth of the rest of the statements, is O. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And we're going to go, O Emmanuel, O Rex Gentium. O Orions. So O Dayspring, O King of Nations. O, what's an O? (laughs) If you look it up in the dictionary, it's an interjection. It normally means some sort of surprise. Or need. You know, oh no. Some people would say, oh God. Some people would, oh, swear word. Oh. Oh, to me, it's like when you open your mouth, oh, like the, the mouth actually makes that symbol, oh. And it's a symbol, it's a, it's a thing of need. Because I could just say, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Or I could just say, King of Nations. Or I could just say, Dayspring. They are all beautiful and true but they would be distant if they didn't have the O. So when I'm like stumbling along as a young army guy, oh God, help me. 
Oh, Emmanuel, help me in my old age. Oh, Emmanuel, help me in my sickness. Oh, Emmanuel, bring a thrill of hope to this weary world. Oh, Emmanuel, oh, 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 oh. That's the deep part. That's, that's what's going to take us into the deep water. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, Emmanuel. So come with me to it like it's a 5th century Roman church, right? It's probably just in a house church, perhaps, although by then they're starting to get some cathedrals and stuff happening. And come with me, and, and it's getting dark. It's the 17th of December. And it's the first time that they are going to sing this kind of hymn, this Latin hymn. So it's in Latin. And so as we come to this church, the 17th of December, if you were to come there every evening from the 17th through to the 23rd of December in the AD 400 sometime, you're going to hear a separate part of this O Antiphons, this Vene Vene Emmanuel. So every night for seven nights from the um, 17th to the 23rd, you get an O something. On the first night, you would get O Sapientia. So you would come to this Roman church, these early Christians, brothers and sisters, now long gone. I mean, imagine that we're talking about 1,500 years ago. We just sang, we heard it sung. It's, it's unbelievable, really. Uh, it's the early church. It's the AD 400s. We enter a church. We hear this song in Latin, O sapientia, quae ex ore altissimi prodiste. I'm not going to say the rest because I'm not very good at Latin. Um, that's what we hear. And we would hear seven statements. I was going to ask if anyone read Latin because then they could read it for us, but speak now. No, that's all right. Now, isn't it interesting because if in that Latin church you heard that, what would you think? You don't speak Latin. You don't understand Latin. Now, maybe the spirit will rise up and give you that gift of interpretation, which has, has actually happened. It happened at Community Baptist. We had Africans come. They hadn't, hadn't actually um, heard, sorry, they hadn't, just literally got there, hadn't learned English, and they understood the whole sermon. They could like tell, later on they could tell us stuff through an interpreter. So that kind of stuff can happen. But if that didn't happen, you'd just be like, huh? Just walk away. So the words have no meaning to you. There's another way words might not have any meaning. It's when you hear them over and over again. So they're English words now. You understand them, but you've heard them so many times. Jesus, peace on earth, goodwill to man. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. There's another way words lose their meaning. They become cliched. We've heard them so many times. And so again, the call is go into the deep water again. Go into the deep water. And so if we were to go into the deep water and we just try again to think about who Jesus is, you know, I really believe, because I'm going to use a whole bunch of other people's words today, I really believe, and they're, so, they're creative words, I really believe this little church in 2019 in deep water could come up with some beautiful, creative words and acts for Jesus. Might be painting, might be writing, might be flowers that you've never seen before. You know, we're, we're going to enjoy other people's words about Jesus because Jesus is the hero of the whole universe and he deserves these words. Hey, you know, when you see that, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and they've got those great big drums for king and country, bang, bang. That's the kind of drum he deserves. <laughs> Not those little, little drums, and he's the big drum. Yeah, of course, we can have our little ones and do the best we can with them. But you know what I mean? He actually deserves that. 
He literally, genuinely, authentically deserves that because of what he's done. So here are the seven antiphons, and we're just going to go through them quickly. Then we're going to finish off with communion. So there they are there. O Sapientia, O Adonai, O Radix, O Clavis, O Orions, O Rex Gentium, O Emmanuel. Let's start with O Sapientia. So it's the 17th of December. I'm so pleased this matched up nicely because we finished on the 23rd of December, which is when? Today. We all come together nicely. O Sapientia. And I already talked about the O Sapientia, KX, Aetissime, Prodeste. What is that? It is this. O wisdom coming forth from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from one end to the other, mightily and sweetly ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. So prudence is applied wisdom, functional wisdom. Making the wise, prudent um, choices. And we know that this little baby, Jesus, who will become the man... We're told by Luke that he has wisdom greater than Solomon's. Solomon (laughs) drew queens of the earth, Queen Sheba, to himself because of his wisdom. Jesus is way wiser than that. In 1 Corinthians, we're told that Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, a baby. No, no, no. If he's going to come as a man, he should come as a mighty warrior. Just appear like Zeus. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the... Help me out. And the something of God. Wisdom. The wisdom of God. So this first O antiphon is, O come, wisdom. Do you need wisdom? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We need wisdom. So, Malcolm Gwite, I think I'm saying that correctly, G-U-I-T-E, Malcolm Gwite. He's a poet and he wrote sonnets. Does everyone know what a sonnet is? It's a 14-word, tightly bound, sort of structured poem. It's amazing how when you structure something and set limits, it gives you freedom to do other things. It's very interesting. So all of a sudden you have all these sonnets, like 14-line poems that start to appear from, you know, sort of Shakespearean times and onwards. So he wrote a sonnet for each of these antiphons. I just want you to listen to the words. I want you to just let them kind of sink into your soul a little bit. It might spark certain thoughts. Your mind might wander away a little bit. That's fine. Just bring it back if you can. When you notice it wandering away, just bring it back just so we can listen. So this is all to do with wisdom. This is all to do with O Sapientia. It's all to do with prudence. Jesus, our wisdom. I cannot think unless I have been thought, nor can I speak unless I have been spoken. I cannot teach except as I am taught. I break the bread except as I am broken. O mind behind the mind through which I seek. O light within the light by which I see. O word beneath the words with which I speak. O founding unfound wisdom finding me. I'll just read that again. I just like that. O founding, unfound wisdom, finding me. O sounding song, whose depth is sounding me. O memory of time, reminding me. My ground of being, always grounding me. My maker's bounding line, defining me. Come, hidden wisdom, come with all you bring. Come to me now, disguised as everything. (laughs) We go, oh yeah, I need a bit of wisdom. You don't have a brain unless Jesus comes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Look, Jesus is the creator. You don't think 
without him. So when you see that little baby in a manger and then you think of Jesus coming in the future, you only think because he gave your brain to think in the first place. This is the beauty of this sonnet. O mind behind the mind through which I seek. And so we ask, Lord, that you would come. You would come with wisdom. You would bring wisdom to this little church. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bring wisdom to each person here as we go into deep waters. The next one is Adonai. And many of you will be familiar with Adonai as a Hebrew word for the Lord God. The Hebrews were too scared to speak the unspeakable tetragrammaton, the Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, so they used Adonai. And again, it's the 18th of December now. You're outside that little church. You hear these words, O Adonai, a duke. A ducks domus Israel, O Adonai, and leader of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and gave him the law of Sinai, come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. So this little baby in a manger, Adonai, who appeared to Moses. We, we all gather around and we look at this little baby and it's Adonai. And I was going to give you a bunch of uh, verses and stuff, but I just wanted to do this, which is think about how Paul sees Jesus. How Paul sees Jesus. Do you know every time, nearly every time Jesus, every time Paul uses the word Lord for Jesus, it's actually Adonai. So if you go through the New Testament where Paul writes and you do a study, so Paul, the, the guy who hated, hated Christians and all of a sudden became a Christian. This is, this is what he says. So all through the Old Testament, there was Lord God, Adonai, the sustainer of all things. Now Paul says, one Lord, one Adonai. Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. He's just taken this Old Testament understanding and said, that's Jesus, Adonai. Adonai, the name to be called upon to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, holy, and to all those who call on the name of our Lord Jesus, Adonai. You only ever called on God. Now you're calling on Jesus, Adonai, to whom all judgment belongs. They know there's a, a judgment day coming. Therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord. You know, the day of our Lord, he says here, the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> the day of our Lord, everyone knows the day of the Lord is that day of judgment when everything's finally set right. And he says, that's Jesus. And you could go on and on. Adonai, Lord Jesus, the one who searches hearts and minds. Adonai, the one to whom belongs the congregation of the Lord. Adonai, the one who sanctifies. Adonai, Jesus, the one who is glorious. Adonai, the one who is our rock, our salvation, our stronghold. Adonai. Oh, Adonai. And so here is the sonnet from Malcolm. Unsayable, you choose to speak one tongue. Unseeable, you gave yourself away. The Adonai, the Tetragamaton, grew by a wayside in the light of day. O you who dared to be a tribal God, to own a language, people and a place, who chose to be exploited and betrayed. If so, you might be met with face to face. Come to us here who would not find you there, who chose to know the skin and not the pith, who heard no more than thunder in the air, who marked out the mere events and not the myth. Touch the bare branches of our unbelief and blaze again like fire in every leaf. Oh Jesus, Lord, Adonai, touch the branches of our unbelief. 
blaze again like fire in every leaf. Maybe we've never even known that blaze. Oh, Lord, let it sweep through. Oh, come, oh, come, Adonai. Light within us a fire that will burn brightly for this world. Oh, Radix Jesse. Um, this is Latin for the root of Jesse. Oh, Radix Jesse, qui stars in signum popularum. 19th of December. So this is the 19th of December. Imagine that, that for literally 1,500, 1,600 years, every Christmas, Christians, brothers and sisters, have gone through each of these antiphons. It means, O root of Jesse, standing as a sign amongst the peoples. So when you see root of Jesse, we're talking for the Jewish mind, royalty. Think like for the English mind, King Arthur. That's what they're thinking about here. It's very similar. So they're seeing Jesus as the royalty of Israel, standing as a sign amongst the peoples. Before you, kings will shut their mouths. To you, the nations will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. This is a very political statement right here. We're not supposed to talk about politics too much in Australian churches, but that's very political, isn't it? Kings, prime ministers will shut their mouths. To you, the nations will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. Look, don't you feel for prime ministers, leaders of today's world? Wow. Imagine you're suddenly transported into their shoes, into his or her shoes. Wow, what a job. What a job. We really need to pray for them, don't we? We pray that the ultimate king, O Jesse Radix, would come. And that comes from Romans where we're told that by Paul, he says, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, the one who will rise to rule over all nations and all peoples will put their hope in him. O Radix Jesse. Here's the sonnet. All of us sprung from one deep hidden seed, rose from a root invisible to all. We knew the virtues once of every weed, but severed from the roots of ritual, we surfed the surface of a widescreen world <laughs> and find no virtue in the virtual. We shrivel on the edges of a wood whose heart we once inhabited in love. Now we have need of you, forgotten root, the stock and stem of every living thing, who once we worshipped in the sacred grove, for now is winter, now is withering, unless, unless we let you root us deep within, under the ground of being, graft us in. O Radix Jesse, Lord, make our roots go down deep, get us beyond the virtual, beyond the superficialities of blue screens, into the deep, deep earth. May we not be found to be shriveling, but instead to be growing. May we not be afraid of drought or famine, but always produce fruit and green leaves. In Jesus' name. O Clavis, O Clavis David, a septrum domus Israel, O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can shut. You shut and no one can open. Come and lead the prisoners from the prison house, those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. This comes directly from Revelation and you can go back and listen to our Revelation series if you want, but Revelation 3 to the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Again, it's this idea of David, royal blood, kingdom blood, the keys of the kingdom. Jesus has got them. He can open and he can shut. Here is the sonnet. 
even in the darkness where I sit and huddle in the midst of misery, I remember freedom, but forget that every lock must answer to a key, that each dark clasp, sharp and intricate, must find a counterclasp to meet its guard, particular, exact and intimate. The clutch and the catch that meshes with its, meshes with its ward, I cry, out, I cry out for the key I threw away. That turned and overturned with a certain touch and with the lovely lifting of a latch, open my darkness to the light of day. Oh, come again, come quickly, set me free, cut to the quick to fit the master key. The idea here is your heart locked up, only one key can open it. The key of David that Jesus has. Oh Lord, what you open, no one shuts. Open our hearts. Open our hearts this Christmas in all the rush and the freneticism and the turbulence and the joys. Open our hearts, oh Lord Jesus. Oh Orions, what does that kind of speak when I say Orion? What is it? Stars. Stars. Oh Orion, Splendor, Lucis, Eterne, a solo, Justitiae. Oh morning star. So in the King James, when you look at the verse from which this is taken, it's in Luke and it says, because the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. What's it say in the King James, Andrew, do you remember? Oh, you don't have to look up. It says day spring. Day spring. Think about that for a moment. O morning star, O day spring, splendor of light eternal and sun of righteousness, come and enlighten those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. So it's this idea of like the day of light, like a spring. So you think of a spring of water bubbling up. Think about sunrises, the, the light bubbling up over the kind of horizon, day spring. So O horizons, O, o horizons, it's like O light come. I mean, Imagine the whole world if it was only ever in darkness. You know the dark side of the moon? It's, it, it, it's, they call it the dark side of the moon because it's dark all the time because of the way it orbits. orbits at a certain speed that keeps the dark side away. Imagine if Earth was like that. Imagine if Earth didn't spin. There would be a whole, there would be 50% of the world's um, land and peoples just in darkness. And imagine if they were in darkness for hundreds of years and the sun only rose once every 500 years for a brief moment. You'd want to be there, wouldn't you? You'd be desperate for the light. You'd be desperate. You'd be, oh, Orion's come. Oh, day spring come. That's the sense. That's the sense. For for centuries, we're in darkness, spiritual darkness, physical darkness, there's suffering, there's there's all this stuff. And oh, day spring, oh, day spring come. The sonnet, first light, then first lights along the east to touch and brush a, a sheen of light on the water as though behind the sky itself they trace the shift and shimmer of another river flowing unbidden from its hidden source, the day spring, the eternal primavera. Blake saw it too, Dante, Beatrice, bathing in it now, away upstream, so every trace of light begins a grace. In me, a beckoning. The smallest gleam is somehow a beginning and a calling. Sleeper awake, the darkness is just a dream. For you will see the day spring at our waking, at our waking beyond your long last line, the dawn is finally breaking. O Rex Gentium. We're up to the 22nd of December. See how it's moving? It's moving through all seven, getting to the last one. O Emmanuel. O Rex Gentium, a 
is Doratus Irem. O king of nations and their desire, the cornerstone making both one, come and save the human race which you fashioned from clay. So again, O king of nations, come. For a child has been born to us, a son is given, authority rests upon his shoulder. He is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Rex Gentium. King of Nations. O Father, as we pray for your coming, we also pray for leaders everywhere. We pray that they would know the King of Nations. They would follow and listen and pray and call on your name that they might grow in their own wisdom and stature before you, that they would humble themselves before you. This Christmas would be a humbling time before Rex Gentium, the King of Nations. In Jesus' name, amen. And the sonnet, O King of our desire whom we despise, King of the nations, never on the throne, unfound foundation, cast off cornerstone, rejected joiner, making many one. You had no form or beauty for our eyes. A king who comes to give away his crown, a king within our rags of flesh and bone, we pierce the flesh that pierces our disguise. For we ourselves are found in you alone. Come to us now and find us in your throne, O king within the child, within the clay, O hidden king who shapes us in the play of all creation, shape for us the day your coming kingdom comes into us own. And finally, O Emmanuel. O Emmanuel. O Emmanuel, our king and our lawgiver, the hope of nations and their saviour, come and save us, O Lord our God. So it, it builds up from O Sepientia all the way through O Wisdom, all the way through to our Emmanuel, God with us, our King and our Lawgiver. Now, it's a shame we didn't know about this earlier because I would have encouraged you to each day from the December 17th to the 23rd, maybe spend some time as a devotional on each of these. And you might still like to do that later. I'll put a calendar reminder in, God willing, for 16th of, uh, 16th of December 2019. And I'm going to send out at that time, uh, God willing, a reminder. And perhaps we can put each of these on Facebook and you could have them as your family devotions or individual devotions or whatever and just think about each of those leading up to our Emmanuel and then uh, here's the sonnet O come, O come and be our God with us our long sought withness for a world without O secret seed, O hidden spring of light come to us wisdom, come unspoken name come root and key and king and holy flame O quickened little wick so tightly curled, be folding with us into time and place. Unfold for us the mystery of grace and make, I love this bit, make a womb of this wounded world. That's just staggering prose. Make a womb of this. Do you see this? Make a womb of this wounded world. Like so, so now our suffering, our pain, it becomes the womb of something new. This is deep water O heart of heaven beating in the earth O tiny hope within our hopelessness come to be born to bear us our birth to touch a dying world with new made hands and make these rags of time our swaddling bands poetry might not be your thing but wow even just each of those individual lines 
It just does something, I think, within the soul. But wait, I don't know if you realise this. This is very clever. There's something hidden here. So here are the statements about Jesus, the O statements. And I think you can see the idea is O, the interjection. It's not just theology statements, it's, it's, it's need statements, it's worship statements, it's, it's relational, engaging, creator, creation statements. The o wisdom, O sapientia, O Adonai, O radix, O clavis, O orions, O rex gentium, O Emmanuel. So just imagine now you're looking back, um, looking back now, so you're at O Emmanuel and you're looking back. You flip them around and you end up with, uh, starting from the top, Emmanuel, Rex, Orions, Clavis, Radix, Adonai, Sapientia. So they did something very clever uh, with the words. So they made sure that each of the Latin words, the start of it was an acronym, and the acronym is Erocras. Erocras. So you've got the seven hour antiphons, then when you get to the end, O Emmanuel. It means tomorrow he will come. Tomorrow he will come. Hero crass. Tomorrow he will come. Tomorrow Emmanuel comes. You know, every time this Christmas, and you will, see a tragedy. So, so schizophrenic on the news, you'll see, oh yes, and here we have the Christmas carols, and oh yes, here we have the you know, the shopping and people spending $50 billion. And here we, oh, here we have a famine. And here we have a murder. Here we have this. Here we have that. It's so schizophrenic. We watch it. I just want you to think, oh, <laughs> oh, Emmanuel. Oh, Emmanuel. Will you come? Oh, Emmanuel. As we now move into a time of communion, I want you to remember that this idea of tomorrow he will come is true in two senses. It's true in the sense that one day, truly, tomorrow he will come. There'll be a day and not tomorrow, he's coming. But in a sense of tomorrow representing a future, he will come. And you know, like, oh man, we've got so many cliches and strongholds in our head about who Jesus is. And I hope just maybe some of this has helped you see that that manger, that baby is... Emmanuel, Rex Gentium, King of Nations, Day Spring, Bright Morning Star, the Key of David, the Root of Jesse, Adonai, Wisdom. And so in a minute we're going to come up and I'm just going to play that song again, Oh Emmanuel, in the background. And I'd like for you to um, come and grab the bread. Actually, Andrew, I might ask if you would mind just breaking the bread for me, please. We'll keep the cup together. As the song's playing, just think of the words and think to yourself again about my original call, which is if I go into deep water, what does this mean to me? But even more nobly than that, as a human being who God has made you to be, what if I am being called to go into deep water? This is who will be with you. This is who will be your king, your day spring, in that you could be in the deepest part of the ocean. This will be your king, Emmanuel, with you, your wisdom, Lord God. So as we come to this meal, 
we celebrate what Jesus has done, but we also remember this is Emmanuel's table. And what a beautiful symbol of drawing close. I mean, how many other gods say, I'm going to make a meal for you. This will actually be done again in the future in the kingdom. I'm going to serve you. It's all been done. It represents Jesus who, when he drew close as a baby, then became a man who died for each one of us and shed that blood so that we could enjoy and glory in this. Um, As you come, think Emmanuel's table. Emmanuel's table. And maybe in the back of your mind as you come and, and you take the bread and you then drink the drink, you can think, O come Emmanuel, God with us. O Rex Gentium, King of Nations. O Orion's Dayspring, Morning Star. O Clavis, Key of David. O Radix, Root of Jesse, Adonai, Wisdom. Maybe, maybe just pray to God and go, Lord, I've just been playing around in the shallows. I've just been knee deep. Playing around. Oh Lord, I'd like to go deeper. I think in the deep water is where it'll be scary and anxiety inducing, but in the deep water is where I'll be found in your embrace because that is when I'll know your arms around me more than any other time. When there's a great big chasm underneath of darkness and mystery, that is where I will know your arms, your loving embrace in a deeper and richer way. So in 2019, may that be the case, Lord. We remember now this table, Emmanuel's table. We remember you, Lord Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in your own time, come forward. Take of the bread. Take of the drink. And we'll keep the cup together.